The reading is taken from Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 22. And if you want to look at it in the church Bible, it's on page 1028. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped day and night, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. So as we come and look at God's word... Lord, would you open our eyes to see Jesus? Amen. Would you like to sit down? So when Russ mentioned the new sermon series that we're going to be looking at this spring, based on Luke's Gospel, were you excited or not? Each year, there was a little murmur of yes over there, good. Um, Each year I try and read through a gospel as it brings me, I think, back in touch with Jesus. And I think one of the first things that gets distorted when I am away from God or too busy for God 
or when I let something else get between me and God, is my knowledge of Jesus. I so quickly forget his love, his power, his beauty, and his truth. So I'm excited about coming back to Jesus this term. We are at the beginning of a new year, 2016. And you may be feeling all sorts of different things this morning. You may be feeling tired. You may be feeling overwhelmed. You may be feeling excited. You may be hoping. You may be dreading. You may be somewhere in between. You may not even have got a name for your feelings at the moment. So perhaps to start with, would you like in twos, ideally not with your husband and wife, but would you like to just think about one good thing that is going to happen this year, one thing that you're looking forward to? Okay, folks, I know you're good at talking, so you can hold on to that conversation and carry it on at the end of the service. For all of us, 2016 will be a year of change. For me, um, it's going to be personally a year of change because I'm retiring from my day job at the end of March after nearly 40 years. So I'm wondering what this year will mean for me. And I'm sure many of you have got, you know, quite important things happening this year that you are perhaps have mixed feelings about. And then for us as a church, it's definitely a new phase with Tom coming to lead us. And I wonder what sort of mix of emotions you have around that. A bit uncertain, a bit scared, a bit excited, a bit daunted. I wonder how Tom's feeling about all that this morning. As I get older, I find change less easy to cope with. Our world seems to change ever faster. So much that is new is thrown at us all the time. This Christmas, I think I have been introduced to the idea of hoverboards, click and collect, and Apple TV. And all of those I find a bit bewildering. By temperament, I am drawn to the past and its seeming simplicity. But I do need to remember that our God is a creator God. And he didn't just create once, he is continually creating and continually doing new things. And whilst he tells us to value the past and build on the past... In the Bible, so often, God is looking ahead, isn't he? He's full of hope and promise about what is yet to come. 
And this verse could be a key verse for us this year from Isaiah 43. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? So the question, I think, for this year is how can we learn to keep in step with God, to embrace the new things that God is doing? I think that will be important for us to learn this year because not all the new things will be comfortable for us. So we're going to look at two amazing examples in this passage um, read to us by Penny. And if you want to look at it, it's on page Uh, 1,028 of the Bibles. We're going to look at Simeon and Anna. Remember that Mary and Joseph take the baby Jesus to the temple to offer him, to present him to God. And this was done for every firstborn son when he was about 40 days old. And there they meet the old man Simeon, and the elderly prophetess, Anna. And I think this would have been an important encounter for all concerned. For Mary and Joseph, it is yet another confirmation that God is at work through this special child entrusted to them. Even if they hadn't guessed that from angels, stars, and um, all the other things that had gone on, they now know that this child is special. And for Simeon and Anna, it is a culmination of their lifetime of prayer and longing and waiting for the Messiah, the one who would save Israel and who would bring God's light to the world. And what is wonderful is that in his mercy, God allowed them to see and recognize the answer to their prayers. I suspect also that if we could draw back the curtain between us and heaven, this was an extraordinary spiritual moment as well. Because this is God, God incarnate, God in the form of a little baby, returning to his temple. There would have been much rejoicing in the heavens that God was doing a new and great thing. And it's partly that rejoicing that Simeon and Anna chime in with. They saw that this was a great thing, a new thing that God was doing. They probably hadn't thought that their prayers would be answered in this way. A small baby held by a poor couple from Galilee doesn't look much like the saviour they had imagined. But living so close to God, in his spirit, in his presence, they opened their eyes to see the new thing God was doing and to rejoice in it. And I'm very interested that their age was not a drawback. The stereotypes we have of older people are that they are narrow in their views, uh, grumpy, full of prejudices and set ideas. That was not true of Simeon and Anna. Even in their old age, their minds were elastic, 
their understanding was broad, and their hearts were thankful. And I'm interested because as I get older, all of those things, elastic minds, broad understanding, thankful heart, are things I find I have to fight to preserve in my life. Okay, we've looked at Simeon and Anna. I want to say a little bit about how um, we interact as different generations within the church. Um, According to the theorists, we are all um, choosing to live in tribes now. Did you know that? This is a chart from a marketing company um, dividing us up into neo-tribes, and I suspect it's American because it includes God Squad as one of the the neo-tribes. And what it is saying, and you don't need to read the, the, the small print, what it is saying is that we are defined by what we buy, by what we watch, by what we do, by what values we hold, and by what age range we choose to mix with. Now, I think one of the strengths of the church is that it is cross-generational. It should be one of the places where the generations meet. There you are, Nick. I told you you had a starring role. (laughs) And this encounter with Simeon and Anna reminds us of the value of having both young and old in the life of the church and the importance of bringing young and old together. So a quick look at what the Bible says about the responsibilities of being old and being young in God's family. Well, the first thing is about our attitudes, really, to each other. Older people, both in the church and in uh, the family, are to bless and encourage the young. They aren't to put stumbling blocks in their way. They are to teach and train them and encourage them in all they do. They are to bless them, as Simeon does. And in response, the young are to respect and honour the older folk, And probably that was a society norm in Jesus' day, but it's not really in our Western culture today. So I think that's something we need to reinforce and relearn. And the more old people and young people interact, the easier these attitudes will be to, to do and to develop. So I wonder... Do you consider yourself young or old? I'm not going to put you in a category. Because young doesn't just mean children or young people um, or teenagers. And old doesn't just mean grey hair. Are we young or old in physical years? Are we young or old in faith years? But I would say, if you consider yourself an oldie, also consider where and how do you bless and encourage the young? Do you do that in your family? Do you do that in your church family? And youngsters, where and how do you show respect and honour to those older than you? 
And are there places in this church and in our life together where the young and the old can talk together, serve together and pray together? Secondly, it is the duty of all of us to proclaim the gospel in our time to our generation and then to pass it on to the next. And it is the duty of the next generation, the younger generation, to step up and take on the mantle of responsibility from the older generation at a certain point. So there it should be a transition in the life of the church. Russ pointed out to me this powerful and challenging verse. We will not hide God's truth from this generation. We will tell them the awesome things he has done so that the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born, so each generation can set its hope anew on God. That's Psalm 78. So how do we do this as a church? Well, we do this when we engage with children and young people of all ages here in church. And there are some of our children and some of our young people both teaching and learning in those pictures. We do this when we go out and speak in schools. And we do this in families as we pray for and pray with the children and young people in our families and talk to them about Jesus, our children and our grandchildren encouraged in the faith. Can I say something about this idea of passing things on from the older generation and the younger generation taking up the mantle, this transition? I am not sure how good we are at this in uh, St Paul's. And this is one area I hope that we will get better. At the moment, what I see is some long-standing folk feeling overburdened and slightly resentful, and some younger folk perhaps not feeling as if they belong enough or are valued enough or perhaps too intimidated to take things on. Uh, Some years ago, I think it was about eight years ago, I was walking through a wood, a bit like the one on the screen, and God spoke to me through what I was seeing. I noticed that the saplings were growing up amongst the older trees and that the taller trees sheltered and protected the young saplings as they grew. But there came a stage where the older trees seemed to be in the way when the saplings were wanting to grow up further and the older trees were blocking out the light. And at that time, I felt that that picture was about St Paul's, and I still do, but I'm not sure where we are on that cycle at the moment. But I do long to see more of a transition from one generation to another happening here. And I think that may be partly why Tom is coming to us. So um, I think that could be a challenge for Tom and for us in the future. The third point 
is probably the most important because it is about us, each of us, and God. What strikes you as you read about Simeon and Anna is the depth of their relationship with God. It is that relationship which enables them to overturn all those stereotypes of old people and to physically embrace what God is doing to reach across the generations and to hope for the future. It says of Simeon, the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it says of Anna that she worshipped in the temple night and day, fasting and praying. So this last phase of their lives was totally given over to God. On the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, Peter talks about the new community of faith that was being born on that day. When God pours out his spirit, he says, it is available to all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. So we should expect the Holy Spirit to be working in young and old alike. And I suspect like you, like me, you want to see our young people prophesying and seeing God's vision for the future and to see our old people dreaming God's dreams like Simeon and Anna. I think there is one specific gift that God gives to old people if we let him and that is the gift of wisdom and maturity. Uh, when my sister lived in Germany, she had one of these. Do you know what one of these is? It's called a rumtoft or a rumpot. And uh, the idea is that you start, as far as I understand it, you start in the spring layering fruit in this pot and you carry on putting in fruit over the summer and autumn um, as the fruit is in season. And as you go along, you liberally coat the fruit. In fact, you saturate the fruit with a spirit, usually rum. And over the year, it marinades and it blends and it matures so that by Christmas, you take off the lid and you have this amazing spirit-filled fruit dessert, which you have with ice cream or cream at Christmas time. Now, I use that as an illustration of how I think we are meant to be. Throughout our lives, we are to take whatever happens to us, good or bad, and with God's grace, turn it into fruit. And then as we layer that fruit with the Holy Spirit, we should end up with maturity and wisdom, that special gift that older people of faith bring to the life of the church. When you take the lid off the pot of an older person, to carry the analogy on, there should be that wonderful aroma that hits you, all right? That aroma of God, not of anything else. And I'm sure we can all think of people who have influenced us and blessed us because they had that aroma of a life a fruitful life sanctified by the Spirit. 
So as we enter this new year, I am praying that it is a year when we listen to God's heartbeat, both for this church and for our lives. This year, I know that it is not about what I want to do, but what God has planned for me. And the surprise is often that what he has planned for me is even better than what I thought I wanted to do. And it is not about St Paul's becoming the church I want it to be, or you want it to be, or even Tom wants it to be, but the church that God wants it to be. When Simeon stood with that baby in his arms, he knew that the baby was special. He knew that he was given by God. He knew that through him, God would reveal his plan of salvation for Israel and for the whole world. He was even given an insight into some of the discomfort and pain that all of that might entail. But he embraced it. He embraced it all. He rejoiced in what God was doing and he blessed it. So rejoice. God is at work in my life, in your life, in all our lives together. For I am about to do something new, says the Lord. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? So would you like to just close your eyes and we're just going to pray, have a bit of silence. And you might like to consider, is there a new thing that God is opening up for you? It might be a new opportunity a new relationship, a new job, a new hunger for God. Perhaps you want something new and you can't see it yet. Perhaps you are scared of the changes facing you. Whatever you are feeling, be honest and tell him in the silence. Dear Lord, this year I want to dream your dreams and see your visions. I want to listen to your heartbeat and fall in love with you again. I want to find your way and to follow it. I want to grow in your service. All the best of me cries out to you. Listen to the desires of my heart, Lord, and draw me close once again.
Amen.